welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. We honor Him and lift Jesus high. How many of you glad to lift Jesus high? How many of you glad to lift Jesus high? Amen. 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 Well, usually um, someone else comes in. So, someone else comes in, but uh, it seems like pastor, since we're outside, why don't you share? And so here we are. We are glad for 15 years. We are. Um, you can be seated for now. Many of you uh, don't know this, but um, we started not owning this building. We we actually just met in the basement. And there are about two or three more churches that met in here. And um, I remember my wife putting her hand on the side of the building uh, 16 years ago and saying, uh, 15 and a half years ago and saying, um, God's going to give us this building. And I'll never forget that and forget her joining me in faith. And no matter uh, what I've been able to do and what any of us have been able to do, God's grace has been on us because when God wants to do something more than you, it actually gets done. Um, God wants to reach people more than us. God loves people you think you love a lot more than you love them. And God uh, God is committed to people more than any of us. And I'm thankful for my wife today. I want to give honor to her publicly. Thank you for, thankful for her and her commitment uh, through many dangers seen and unseen. Also want to uh, thank the team. If you have been, if you've been here since the beginning, just stand up. If you were here at the beginning of Epiphany Fellowship, only got a few soldiers left. If you was at the beginning. All right. If you've been here for 14 years, stand up. 14 years or more. 13 years or more. Wow. 12 years or more. 11 years or more. Stand up. 10 years or more. 9 years or more. 8 years or more. All right. 7 years or more. <laughs> Six years or more. They talk about, come on to me. <laughs> Six years or more. Amen. Five years or more. Four years or more. Three years or more. Two, one. Wow, 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 wow. Let's give God a hand praise for that. Excited for that. Well, yes, God has been really, really gracious to us. I can't wait to the activities afterwards. Well, let's get in the word of God. Let's dig in. You know how we do. Stand to your feet. We are still in our series. We're still in our series on deconstructing your faith, but in a different way today. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to read together like we normally do, starting at verse 13. One, two, three. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. 
in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven today in this time that we have together i would like to talk briefly on the topic about deconstruction deconstruction what the church must be in the city what the church must be in the city father god we're here to celebrate um 15 years but we're also here because we're gathered and this is an actual gathering and so god in the name of the lord jesus christ i pray for your mercy and kindness on this gathering touch every person here and maybe someone here doesn't know you i pray that you would help them to meet you and take them from spiritual death to spiritual life maybe someone is de-churched maybe they know you but have been disconnected lord god will you reconnect them functionally as they abide in christ and every mechanism that you provided for them in jesus mighty name we pray everybody agree with that said amen 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 uh deconstruction what the church must be in the city on um all of my social media posts uh, uh mechanisms the other day i put out a post and the post that i put out and i asked the question i said um no other religious group or spiritual entity or faith journey has expectations on it like the church I said, people from the church they expect scholarships from the church, health uh, 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 advice, advocacy, community development, education, uh, housing, and so many other things people expect from the church. And the, and the post wasn't a complaint as much as it was a wonder. You know, so many people, how many of you expect some of those things from the church? Be honest with where you are. How many of you expect the church to engage the community and change different things? <clears throat> One of the things that's interesting is the question was asked because um, I, I never hear anyone uh, engage or ask questions of other groups, and we're not putting any other groups on blast, you know. We were just, I've, I've never heard anyone ask, a, and, and this is no shade on anyone, please hear me, um, ask the Buddha, why aren't the Buddhists impacting the community? You know, um, why it's a mosque or whatever group, it always seems to be this commitment. I got a myriad of answers from so many people. But one person gave an answer that everybody kind of re uh, re resonated with. And that person said, because inherently, people inherently know that the church is God's true witness. It just doesn't accept that truth because of the implications that the worldview has, but it's a lifestyle. And because the church is ex uh, um, expected to do this because people have a familiarity uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ, at least stories about Jesus, at least things about what he did that kind of gives them a sense if he did things to engage people, the church should engage people. And I think their expectation is valuable. I think every church should have an expectation on it, particularly in neighborhoods like this. I used to live four blocks from here. So we understand the framework of what we're dealing with in our community is that there should be an expectation of engagement. And that engagement should be deep and rich and in partnership. Not with the community looking down, the church looking down on the community, but the church partnering and locking arms with the community to see God's work and God's transformational work, not just to do the work of transformation, but of the external things in the community, but also the, uh, the transformation of the soul of the person. There are many churches in our community, and I drive it quite often. Many churches in our community um, and that are dying. 
to be honest, and others in need of revitalization, and others, the reason they don't have much for the community is because of several reasons. Some churches have diminished membership. Other churches have no leadership transitions. Other churches, members move out of the neighborhood because of different reasons. Financial challenges, unable to adjust to a new paradigm, which our community's neighborhood changes every six months. Gentrification and demonic attack, so, so many things. In light of this, many have made conclusions about the church and even pastors, if you will, that aren't necessarily accurate. There are those that are accurate, but they tend to use minority bad cases as a systemic norm. So despite the church being a great presence in the past, and we'll talk about the past of North Philly and some impact of even ministries around us, even view it as a mechanism of engagement. So many of you who are under the sound of my voice may got caught out here and you got caught out during the music and you were like, man, this is great, man. I, I, I'm going to come out to the, you thought it was just a festival. You're like, oh man, it's a church service. Uh oh. <laughs> and so we, we don't mind a church service being a festival, if you will. But many of you have done what's called deconstruction. Somebody say deconstruction. Everybody do, do it with everything. Everybody does deconstruction with everything. One of those things that decon, that, that's a popular word on YouTube and on the internet. We've been going through a series on it. And deconstruction uh, is the process of reevaluating your core beliefs. Have you ever went through anything that made you reevaluate everything in your life? Anybody under the am I here by myself? Anybody under the sound of my voice ever began to reevaluate things? And when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to the, the, the problem of evil in the world, when it comes to the problem of suffering, when it comes to the problem of, of, of systemic injustice and racism, people begin to wonder whether or not God exists. People begin to wonder whether or not God cares. People begin to wonder if God is involved. And people begin to wonder if the church is actually a viable mechanism to transform and change a community, to help people, to engage them, and to see what God wants to see happen, happen. So deconstruction is a way, deconstruction is a way that people end up um, beginning to say, I don't necessarily believe that the church is that type of mechanism. But I'm in a passage today. I'm in a passage today that I want to I engage you with and lovingly, lovingly, uh, I want you to hear that it casts vision for what we should be as the church in the community. It's, it's one of Jesus's first sermons what I like about Jesus is he was loving on people who were poor and hurting and knew they were a mess, but he was hard on people that were religious and thought they knew everything. And because he was hard on them because they thought they knew everything, he, he, he put this challenge out there to them to let them know what our real purpose is as the church. I got one point and one point only and I'm over. The church has expectations on it that no other spiritual or religious group has on it. Number one, look at verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, this is an interesting idea here of being the salt of the earth because Jesus isn't using a particular illustration of what salt is meant to do. What he's doing is he's talking about, he gives a general idea of what salt is meant to do. Salt is meant to do a number of things. Let's check it out. Salt is meant for flavoring food in Jesus' time. It's meant for purifying stuff. It's meant for preserving food. And it's meant, listen to this, for fertilizing soil 
with manure. So it's meant for flavoring, purifying, preserving, and fertilizing. And so what he calls the church to do in the city is he wants us to flavor the city. In other words, he wants us to flavor the city. <clears throat> when something needs flavor, it means something is good already in it that exists, but salt comes in to, to, to magnify and lift up the flavoring in that particular thing to bring out of it what's already in it. It's, see, some people come to a neighborhood like this and think it's just bad, but just because there are some challenges in the community doesn't mean it doesn't have opportunity and God reflectors and blessed people. So the church is supposed to come down on the community and be shaken by God over the community. Listen, you ever been to a restaurant and you got something real good? It looked good. It was great, but then you tasted it, and you was like, oh, Lord, this needs salt. <clears throat> and, and, and you end up putting salt on it, and when you put salt on it, the salt didn't just be the flavor for it. The salt took what was inside of it and yanked it out and put it on your taste buds so that you would be able to experience it in its fullness. There are youth and children in this community that all they need is some salt and they'll have an opportunity. There's some brokenness and some economic opportunities in this community that if it just got some salt, it would come out. There's a lot of ideas and opportunities in the community, but the thing about the urban environment is this, is that many times... There's so many good ideas. I don't know if you've ever been to a barbershop, a black barbershop. How many of y'all been to a black barbershop? I ain't talking about watching it on TV. I ain't talking about we're in a black barbershop. And dudes be arguing. Man, I'll tell you this. Kobe Bryant in the back. And they just hollering. But every now and then when you go into a barbershop, you hear a lot of good ideas. You hear stuff like, man, you know what we should do? Man, we should all get together and pool our money. And they be talking and doing all of that. Then all of a sudden, nothing happens to it. Why? Because there are a lot of bright ideas and beautiful ideas and smart people despite the reading level. And if there were more of us that were committing to pouring the salt of our lives in communities like this. That's why many people don't last here trying to help it because they come here thinking they're coming to be the savior of the community versus being the salt of the community. Jesus is the savior with the salt. All we do is flavor what's already there. God already knows what he's put here. He's just waiting for us to shake our lives up in order that the seasoning of heaven may get on our community and we can see some great things happen in our neighborhood. But not only... <clears throat> The salt flavor, it purifies. Salt back then purified. They would use salt over time. You ain't have refrigerators. They would just pack salt on it. <clears throat> and when they would pack salt on it, the salt when meat was doing what meat does, what it would do is it would impact. Listen, I want you to listen. Um, uh, uh, the meat begins to impact the impurities in it, the salt impacts the impurities so that what's in it won't affect you if you eat it. Listen, that's what God does in communities like this. He wants to purify this community of anything that's in it. He wants to purify it of any type of drug addiction. He wants it to purify it of family challenges. He wants to purify it of economic challenges. But ultimately, he wants to purify it of not having people, any, no one in the community that doesn't ultimately know Jesus Christ 
as their Lord and Savior. You can get your house changed. You can get your clothes changed. You can get your economics changed. You can get entrepreneurialism. You can get a job. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, that is something you can't recover from. That's the most underdeveloped part of your life is your soul. So God wants to purify the community. He wants flavor in the community, the church, to, in the, through the preaching of God, God's to purify the community. But he also wants to preserve the community. He wants to preserve it. Salt was also used to keep things preserved. While preservation needed, because again, they didn't have refrigerators. And so those preserving factors will help it to last longer. See, this is what we need as salt in our communities. Because communities like this are, are transient, a lot of times there are groups that come to the community and do stuff. And it lasts for a little while, but then when they leave, what they were doing ends. And so what we need in communities like this is people that have long-term commitment, not flighty expectations. <clears throat> we knew, we're here for 15 years because we're committed to being here. We're committed by God's grace to being here, and we're hoping to pass things along when our season is over. And when our season is over, maybe someone else, by God's grace, will come in after us and begin to bring great seasoning to the community. And then after their time is over, they'd be great seasoning to the community. And when their time is over, they'll be, and it'll be generational impact of preservation work of the gospel in our city and in our community. But not only that, not only, not only does salt flavor, not only does it purify, not only does it preserve, but it also fertilizes. Now they may seem crazy, but I don't know if you ever <clears throat> smell mulch put down. Y'all ever smell fresh mulch? I'll put some fresh mulch down in our, in our beds and my, 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 you know, my little girl, she's just going to say what she's going to say. She said, Daddy, I smell boo-boo out here. I smell it. I smell it. What is that, Daddy? Daddy, I don't like it. It's very loud. It's everywhere. It's in the atmosphere. The wind is blowing. It's in my nose. Right? And the reason why you smell that is because, of course, there's some breakdownage up in there. But what they used to do is they didn't have mulch in their day. What they would do back in Jesus' time is they would take all of the dung from the animals and they would mix it with salt and salt would take the impurities out of it and then they would take it and mix it with the soil and when it mixed with the soil, the salt doesn't destroy the soil, it removes impurities from the soil. Y'all not gonna hear me. In order that stuff that never grew there can now grow there because there's doo-doo in the dirt. And the salt transformed the dirt and the doo-doo into something that could have something planted in it. And you can actually eat the stuff out of there because it's no longer doo-doo, it's fertilization. That's what the church is supposed to do in cities. The church is supposed to be the salt amongst the doo-doo. Oh, y'all gonna look at me funny. <laughs> like our neighborhoods, all of our neighborhoods ain't got some doo-doo issues in them. And we need the church to mix with doo-doo. That means you got to get dirty 
if you're going to work for God, if you're going to honor God, if you're going to live for God, you're going to have to get dirty and get a midst of it. You can't just show up and sit in the back until everything is over. You can't just say, man, I'm going to let them do it, not myself. No, a community of people, you can't just be on the sideline complaining what the church isn't doing and you're a believer and a part of it. You need to jump in and be a part of it because every piece of salt is needed for everything to be fertilized and transformed in our city. That's what we need. So not only does it flavor, not only does it purify, not only does it preserve, but it also fertilizes. And so he says, you are the salt of the earth. This is an interesting statement that Jesus makes. He uses a rhetorical statement. He said, but if salt should lose its taste. Now, let me explain something to you about salt. Salt does not lose its taste. But what Jesus is saying is that there are times in particular when something claims to be salt, but it really isn't salt. In other words, this is funny. So he, he says it's impossible for salt to not be salty. Salt can't help but be salt. When you're something, you can't help but be what you are. And so when Jesus says this rhetorical statement to us, he says that it should not be able to lose his favor. Then he uses another illustration. First he uses, first he uses, I want you to listen, brother. I want you to listen. I want you to listen so everybody can hear the message. I know you're excited, but I want you to listen because we want you to, we want everybody to hear. And then at certain points, it'll be dope if you jump in and everybody jump in with you. But let it, let it be heard during all of the spots, brother. Appreciate your excitement. Verse 15, you are the salt, you are the, it said, you are the light of the world. This is powerful because both salt and light is what God's call on Adam and Eve were. Israel was, and now it's on the church <coughs> to be that same type of light. Now, lights in their day, they didn't have electricity like we had. They had, la they had lanterns or uh, candles all throughout the house. <laughs> you couldn't just light one because if, you, if your lights or your electricity ever went off, I don't know if your power ever went out and you tried to use one candle, that ain't going to do nothing for your crib. You, you had that one little spot, you look around, you spooked out because you can't see nothing. You know, if you like my kids, if they can't see in the dark over there, they, they don't see nothing over there, but because it's dark, they creeped out, they think something's over there trying to get them. So therefore, we need more light in that area. So what they would do <laughs> is they would take multiple lights and put them all around the house. And they would put those lights all around the house in order that the light was lit because it, you could not just light one light in order to light everything. In, every, in order to everything to be light, every light that was called to be a light must be lit. And that's what our community is supposed to be. Every one of these churches should be, and we should all be walking as a light. That means, and not just in the four walls. That means when you go out into the world as a believer, as a business owner, as a government worker, as a sanitation worker, as an artist, as a cook, into technology, a psychologist or social science person, an educator, a, 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 in your families and in your neighborhoods, we are called to be lights. That's why Jesus says ultimately in John 8, 12, that he is the light of the world. 
And so when he says that he's the light of the world, that means when we teach and preach, when we do all the different things that we do, we want to be able to see this in our community. And that's why we teach and preach as a church. We want to do both word and deed ministry. Not only that, we want to develop a school, and we'll talk to you more about that. When we do a K through 12 school in our community, they've closed many church, uh, schools in our community. And one of the things we want to partner with the community on is developing a K through 12 school that impacts the shape of that, our neighborhood in a beautiful, beautiful way. We want to see scholarships, we want to see health, we want to see educational development, we want to see housing where more and more people, like the example of Strawberry Mansion, Strawberry Mansion has 50% home ownership. We want to show you that Jesus can help that be done in this part of the community as well. And advocacy, so many different things. This, but let me explain something to you. <clears throat> Epiphany is not an anomaly to this community. There have been churches here generations ago that have done so many different things in this community. I don't know if you know, but behind you, when this is over, <clears throat> you stand up, you turn around, and I want you to see that steeple on Broad and Diamond. That's a historic church. That church during the 1800s was an abolitionist church movement. Was birthed through Berean Presbyterian Church by Matthew Anderson. A lot of, you may not know his name, but he was a legend in North Philly. He started, because blacks couldn't get loans to buy homes, he started a bank here in North Philly. He started a vocational school to help people to learn skills so they are, were employable. He developed an employment service because you, you can develop people that with skills, but if they don't have an employment service, they get connected to those jobs. He was doing that all in the name of Jesus. And when we were denied medical help, guess what he did? He developed a medical clinic because he was the first one. His wife was the first black woman to get her degree as a physician. We didn't know that, did we? North Philly has a beautiful legacy. And then guess what else he did? He developed a summer resort that, 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 that did not exclude black people. I don't know where in the region he did a summer resort at. I want to know where that joint was, right? Not only that, Zion Baptist on Broad Street. Um, the plaza over there where Fresh Grocer is. That was a vision uh, from Leon Sullivan years and years and years ago. Also, Church of the Advocate behind me. Church of the Advocate, this name, the name of this street is partially named by Paul Washington. Reverend Paul Washington's leadership allowed the church to support civil rights rallies and protests in his community during the 60s and also developed what he came to know as the theology of power. And he believed that God was the mechanism to help with that. And so people would go to that particular church and engage in helping the community to get aware and to vote and to dig in. There is a legacy of ministry in this city. We're not coming out here at Pivoting Fellowship as hot shots. <clears throat> That's not what we're coming out here to do. We're coming out here as those who stand on the shoulders of a legacy of many, I just named a few, who were already at work in this community, doing gospel work in this community. And now we're coming to say, we're not coming here to act like we're the saviors of the community, but we're coming as partners with our neighborhood. Verse 15 said, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather a, on a lampstand and gives light for all who are in the house 
to see. <clears throat> he says, in the same way, in the same way, church, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your God is in heaven. So that's why we're here, family. We are here to let our light shine. And as we talk about this, this is our desire. Number one, that you know Jesus Christ as Savior. We want to see you meet Jesus from the inside out. That, that your life can change around you but be a travesty inside of you. You can, you can enter a new tax bracket and still be at the bottom of the barrel in your soul. And so our desire is to see Jesus. This is not a gimmick for an offering. This is, this is for you to see God for who he is. We can't continue to, listen, you can continue to blame the church for what it's not. But I'm telling you, one day you are going to have to give an account. And when you stand before God, when he starts asking you questions about your life, you can't blame the church. God's going to ask you about you. And yes, the church needs to get its stuff together and be better, and that's what we're around here trying to do. But one day, you're going to stand before a holy God, and he's going to ask, he's going to open the videotape on your life. Listen, and, the, and listen, if anybody under here under the sound of my voice that knows Jesus had their tape erased. It, it, it's, it's erased. <laughs> but if, if, if you're here, you're still on, and you don't know Jesus, your, your bad stuff is on DVR right now. Waiting for you to act like you didn't do it and the video to show that you did it. But Christ came to actually come in and take your place and have everything you did on your tape put on him. So when, when he died on the cross, you pay, he paid for your sins instead of you paying for your sins. <clears throat> And when you get before God and you stand before a holy God and the enemy tries to shake your videotape of what you did, uh, God says, put it in. And you see, y'all don't know about tapes, but we're going to just play with me right now. And, 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 and the devil going to put your tape in and he's going to smile and he's going to show your tape. He's going to say, he's say, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me run. And it's going to be fuzz everywhere. He said, I don't know what happened to recording. And Jesus is going to be standing there. He's going to say, I know exactly what happened. One dark Friday, I died until the sun got dark. One Friday, I died until the thorn, the thunders came. I died until the earth began to quake. And then I dropped my head in the lock of my jaws. And all videotapes of anybody that placed their faith into me went blank. It went flatline. It went fuzz like TV used to do. Remember, TV used to go off back in the day, just fuzz off when the uh, national anthem would play. And Jesus said, it was, it was dark on Friday. It was dark on Saturday. But early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. Let me explain something to you. Jesus wants to erase your videotape. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in Jesus. Someone, and I want to make sure you understand this, this is very, very important. Because this is not a gimmick. Um, this is not a membership. We're not even doing a membership drive or anything like that. This is about your soul. We're going to have a good time today. 
But heaven wants to have a good time too because every time someone trusts God, there's a party. If you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in Jesus Christ, why, why do you need to place your confidence in him? Because whether you like it or not, you and I are born cute but living to die. And God has a beef with any of us that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. Why? Because he expects perfection. But what he did, instead of just putting us on blast, which he could have, he sent Jesus Christ, the God-man, to take on a human body and to come to earth. And he came to live the life you and I can never live and of the death that we could not die. Get up from the grave. And when he got up from the grave, when he got up from the grave, he was declared just. Why? because he justly died for our sins. Took us from spiritual death, spiritual life, from disconnection to connection. If you say yes to Jesus, which is a sign of faith, if you place your confidence in what he's done on your behalf, if that's you, you're saying, I want Jesus to be my savior, to be my Lord. He wants to transform you today and deal with any area of your life. If that's you, hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you. Anybody? Anyone? Anyone today? Anyone today? Just hold your hand up. I see one hand. Anybody else? I see a hand. Anybody else? I see another hand over here. Amen. I see another hand over here. See the hand in the back. Anyone else? I see the hand right here. Anyone else? that says they want to put their confidence in Jesus. Hold your hand up nice and stretched so we can see it. Anyone else? Best decision you can make in your life is to place your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're standing on the block anywhere, in the back, beside here, behind me, anywhere, anybody wants to place their confidence in Jesus, this isn't about joining a church. This is about being in Christ. This is not about giving an offering. It's about being in Christ. The beauty of being in Christ is he partners with you in every area of life. He wants to show his love for you. Anyone wants to place anyone else wants to place their confidence in him. Father, I thank you for these who have put their confidence in you. And said yes to Jesus. Those who raised their hand, I pray that you would be with them and help us to walk with them faithfully as they've gone from spiritual death through their profession, through spirit, uh, to spiritual life, renewed life in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, and amen. Let's give God a hand praise for those who have placed their confidence
and Jesus, it was a person over here, had on, they put their confidence in Christ, nobody talked to them yet. Um, I don't want to put them out there, but they, they put their confidence in Jesus um, and another person in the back. And so make sure that we connect with everyone that placed their confidence in Jesus. Well, y'all had a blessed time today? Amen. Well, we're about to get ready. They got the bouncy out. They got the face painting out. And we're about to have a stupendous time. Food trucks are going to be showing up so you can get your grub. Make sure you got your ticket or you cannot get food. Um, so make sure you have your ticket. Those who registered have your food. We have some available for the community. For those who just showed up, who didn't get to register, if you're from this neighborhood, we're going to make sure you're good. Um, we thank God for this. Let's stand together and let's do our benediction. And then we just hang out after this. Lord God Almighty, thank you for this time. And we, we lift you up in knowing and understanding that the church is to be a light in our city. And so God, thank you for giving us 15 years, but we don't revel in that as if it was done by us. And so we thank you and we ask you to give us time and help us to be faithful to your honor and glory and praise. Now unto him who was able to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy. To him, our God and Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Everybody agree with that? Said, Amen, amen, amen. Go ahead and have some fun on the block. God bless you. Take care. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.